Welcome to the Wobbler Show. We're taking on the hot topics of the day from a biblical, historical, and constitutional perspective. Rick Green, David Barton, Tim Barton, all here together. And it's February, guys. We've got a really special thing happening every day in February as we bring some great heroes of history to life for folks. I think this is, what, our fifth one? What's our story today, guys? This is a fifth one, and the story today is... And we could say this basically every single day that this guy is, you know, one of the true heroes in American history. Uh, but I don't think you can argue he wasn't. This is George Washington Carver. And as, as we mentioned yesterday with, with Phyllis Wheatley, that there are some names that people might recognize they might have heard of. I think there's definitely going to be some names as we go through this list that people have never heard of. And, and we only chose 20 of the hundreds of heroes we could talk about. But George Washington Carver, certainly as a famous scientist and inventor, a lot of people recognize him, uh, even from some of the work he did, Tuskegee Institute, Booker V. Washington. But his background is super interesting. He was born uh, into slavery in the South. And this was uh, kind of right around the Civil War era. So at the end of the Civil War, he finds his freedom because of the 13th Amendment. But he's living with a the Carver family. And his mother, George Washington Carver's mother, was also a slave. Well, the Carver family decides to keep them on. Uh, one night, there's a group of raiders that come through and they kidnapped George and his mother. And the Carver family is so distressed. Uh, Mr. Carver, Miss Carver, they, they want to rescue them, but they don't really have any money. And so they offer someone uh, some, some acres and, and, and an animal. Like You can have the horse if you can just go find them. And so as the story unfolds, the, the guy they hire is able to find George, not able to bring the mother back. And George... His health was really broken. He was really sick, but he lives with a family. He's raised by the family. It falls in love kind of with botany, with gardening, with plants, gets an education. And, and we're going very quickly through this because he dealt with some racism in education. He wanted to go to a school and he had to write an essay to get in. And they read the essay and said, man, this is incredible. Come on. He shows up and they realize, wait a second, you're not white. And so he wasn't allowed to go to the school because he wasn't white. And it has to find somewhere else. In the course of his life, ends up that he does find success. He becomes a very well-renowned scientist. And this is also the era of time when in, in the Southern area on these plantations, they've been growing crop for so long every single year that it's depleted the soil for minerals. And then also there were boll weevils that came through that were eating up some of the cotton. And so there were just all kinds of issues with farmers and planting in the South. And because of all of these issues, they were looking for other options. And this is when George Washington Carver brilliantly comes up with the idea of let's let's try the peanut, let's grow the peanut. And and well, if you're going to grow the peanut, right, what are you going to do with the peanut? Eat the peanut? Okay, great. Well, he goes through and explains how over the course of a conversation he had with God where he tells God, I want to understand the mysteries of the universe. And God says, you're not really smart enough for understanding the universe. And he says, okay, well then, you know, explain, explain humanity to me. And God says, you're not smart enough for humanity. And so George finally says, okay, you know, like, God, what am I smart enough for? And God says, well, choose something a little smaller. And so George Washington says, he said, I asked God to explain the peanut to me. And God said, well, you're not, you're not smart enough for all the peanut, but I'll give you some of the uses of the peanut. And of course, George Washington Carver is the guy that discovered over 300 uses for the peanut. And it wasn't just a peanut because there were sweet potatoes. There was a lot of things he did, amazing technological breakthroughs. And literally hundreds of millions of people around the world have benefited from things that he discovered with the peanut. And what's so great too is he was always outspoken about his Christian faith. 
and, and you know, even I just alluded to the conversation he had with God, where God it, it was kind of challenging him to go to the peanut and study the peanut. Well, even even an indication of his faith is if you ever want to go see some of the history of George Washington Carver. Dad, where's where's the, the Carver Museum? I know we've been when I was a kid. Yeah, it's around Joplin, Missouri. It's in it's over in, in southeastern Missouri. Uh, and it really is considered one of the, the better museums in the United States. And strangely enough, being a federal project, they don't dodge his faith at all. And when you go through that museum, it is kind of like going through a church museum in some ways, but that's who he was. Well, and his workshop was, or his, the place where he did these inventions, his laboratory was called God's Little Workshop. Uh, and it is what he really believed, that God was the one revealing it to him. And we actually uh, heard from one of the tour guides uh, at that facility. And they said, look, you know, th- that we couldn't get away from God even if we wanted to, because everything this guy ever did was God-connected, God-related. Uh, and so he truly is one of these incredible heroes of American history that unfortunately does not get the attention and coverage he deserves. As mentioned, that many people, you might already know some of his story. There is so much depth to the story. If you want to know more, you definitely can go to the Wall Builders website. Uh, you can download this American Hero biography series, this fifth one being George Washington Carver. And there's a lot of links and resources to additional uh, biographies, to deeper dives you can do on people like George Washington Carver, uh, so on the Wall Builders website, a lot more information, but these are definitely people that should be remembered and celebrated for their contributions to America. Check it out at wallbuilders.com today. Guys, we're, uh, we're going to take a quick break here in a second. Uh, when we come back from the break, former Congressman Todd Tehart will be with us. We're going to be talking about this, this massive, massive petroleum, uh, I don't know what do you call it, a, a, a basin, <laughs> but it's, uh, uh, it's huge. It's like 600 million barrels or something. And for 20 years, we've been waiting. Uh, the company that, that that's been trying to drill there has been waiting for their permit. This could really help. Uh, uh, you know, we, we should drill everywhere we can. Yeah, this is this is a field that was discovered in 1999 in Alaska. It has 600 million barrels. It's called the Willow Project, and everybody in Alaska is for it. This includes the Native American tribes, includes Democrats and Republicans, it includes everybody affected by it, and. They've been waiting for a permit since 1999, 24 years they've been waiting for a permit. And so they're trying to kind of increase the pressure. But 600 million barrels of oil, oh, my goodness, what that would do to the gas prices, refilling the strategic preserve and others. And Todd T. Hart was in Congress for 16 years. Great guy. He came in with the wave with Gingrich in 94. Uh, he is now uh, an energy expert. And there's so many good things he did while he was there. He's one of the best defenders of the Second Amendment, et cetera. But Todd T. Hart from Kansas. All right, folks, stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Wobbler Show. This is Tim Barton from Wall Builders with another moment from American history. Many today wrongly claim our founding fathers were largely atheists, agnostics, and deists. Certainly some founders were less religious than others, but even they were not irreligious. Consider Benjamin Franklin, definitely one of the least religious among them, yet when the delegates at the Constitutional Convention hit an impasse in their deliberations, it was Franklin who called them to prayer, invoking numerous scriptures to make his point. As he reminded them, God governs in the affairs of men, and if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? We have been assured in the sacred writings that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. I firmly believe this. So 
even the least religious of America's founders urged public prayer and dependence on God. For more information about the faith of the Founding Fathers, go to wallbuilders.com. Hey, this is Tim Barton with Wall Builders. And as you've had the opportunity to listen to Wall Builders Live, you've probably heard the wealth of information about our nation, about our spiritual heritage, about the religious liberties, about all the things that makes America exceptional. And you might be thinking, as incredible as this information is, I wish there was a way that I could get one of the Wall Builders guys to come to my area and share with my group, whether it be a church, whether it be a Christian school or public school or some political event or activity. If you're interested in having a Wall Builder speaker come to your area, you can get on our website at www.wallbuilders.com and there's a tab for scheduling. And if you'll click on that tab, you'll notice there's a list of information from speakers' bios to events that are already going on. And there's a section where you can request an event to bring this information about who we are, where we came from, our religious liberties and freedoms. Go to the Wall Builders website and bring a speaker to your area. Thanks for staying with us. Welcome back to the Wall Builder Show. Congressman Todd Tehart is with us. Congressman, thanks for coming on, sir. Great to be with you and your listeners, Rick. Thanks for inviting me. Hey, I had no idea it could take 20 years, longer than 20 years, to get a permit to access a petroleum reserve. And here we are with prices going through the roof. You'd think this stuff would, you know, okay, I can understand a couple of years. But this is crazy. You got a great article in the Washington Times about this. Why in the world did it take so long, and will the Biden administration finally let this thing go through so we can lower prices? Well, uh, gas prices are going up. Make no mistake about it. Um, The reason it took so long is because of the opposition within the bureaucracy to expanding fossil fuel energy production. And this is kind of diametric to their whole purpose in life, but uh, the federal government and the bureaucracy has a lot of people who identify with the left, and they use their uh, ability to just slow the process down. In the case for this uh, little project, you know, 20 years. Can you imagine that, 20 years? Can you imagine getting 20 years to get your driver's license or <laughs> to, to get, you know, to get into the hospital for something? I mean, just think how ridiculous yeah. that is. So 20 years, and, and now it, uh, it's got a good possibility, though. There's a lot of pressure, and the pressure is bipartisan, which in Washington, D.C. is supposed to make a difference. It doesn't make a difference if you uh, worship at the Church of Climate Change. There, yeah. It doesn't matter you know, what your affiliation is. You've got to be against uh, that and save Mother Earth. But this is, this is gonna, I think, going to go forward uh, because of the pressure coming from the bipartisan Alaska delegation and the native tribes to the uh, north slope of Alaska, as well as the unions. And maybe the unions are the straw that's going to break the camel's proverbial back. Uh, you know, this is, a, this is a big deal. This is a lot of production. This is uh, probably going to be just in, as I said in my article, um, there's going to be like $8 billion in revenue coming from this in taxes and royalty. And the royalty side of it is is uh, handed out by the state of Alaska according to law, current law, and the uh, local tribes will get about half of that. So they won't get four billion dollars, but they will probably get in the area of a billion dollars to improve their their infrastructure. So can you imagine that? These are people, wow. some of them, who do not even have running water for a toilet. Uh, they yeah. have to go outside, and and when you these people need this up there, and America needs the energy. Yeah. The world needs the energy. 
but uh, there has been a strong opposition, and but I do think there's a momentum to get it done. Well, and, and it's just shocking to me that long, you know, I mean, I don't see how a business can operate, a, a, a you know, and plan, a, 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 you know, if they're trying to do something this huge and you're held up for that long, uh, I, I just, it, it boggles the mind, but it's typical of, of government intervention in, in something like this and, and the way that holds it up. But is if I understood your article right, so they've been going through all these different things with the agencies, and, and at this point, is it? Is it almost like it's sitting on somebody's desk waiting approval? Like the uh, everything's pretty much done. They just have to finally have the final sign off. But yet there's political pressure from the left to try to keep the Biden administration from approving it. Well, it's almost all over, but the shouting. You know, it's it's ready to go to the president's desk. It's still sitting at the Bureau of Land Management, and uh, they have all but approved it. Uh, but you know, as part of the process, they've got to courier it over to the White House. Uh, it could happen at any time, but it's still lodged in the Bureau of Land Management like it's been for the last 20 years. There was a protest that sort of spurred my article in front of the um, White House um, back in January, early January, and they were opposed to this. So I, I think that the inside, you know, there's whispers going along the pews inside the Church of Climate Change, and they had this great fear that this was going to be released soon, so they t- designed this protest. And uh, a lot of different groups were there. The one that, that got me the most, you know, Sierra Club, the Wilderness Club, Defenders of the Wild, Wildlife, things you'd, you'd normally think. But then there was the Alaska Wilderness League that showed up to protest. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Somebody drove all the way down 4,000 miles or flew to protest at the White House about this lease. And they're producing a lot of petroleum up there already. You know, we have a pipeline that was finished in, what, 1979? So it's been going on for a long time. And... And now they're protesting, so it must be close. I think that was what triggered me to, to say, let's get this done. Um, but the, so it's, it's getting close, but it's just bureaucracy is just like molasses in the wintertime. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. How did, just to put this in perspective, uh, the, the, the level of volume we're talking about here, what, what kind of a dent does this make? I mean, a 600 million barrel reserve. And I don't know how long they're saying it would take to get it out of the ground or, or, or you know, to, to actually get it into the into the marketplace. But, I mean, is there any way to, to put that in perspective, like what percentage that is? Is that is that bigger than than, you know, the Odessa Permian? Is that, uh, you know, one of the largest, I would think, in the in the country? It's not larger than the Permian. Uh, I think it's probably on uh, scale of the Bakken Range up in North Dakota, Montana and South Dakota. So still so huge. It's, it's, yeah, it's huge. It's a huge, uh, and there's a lot more oil up there. I mean, you know, um, this is one thing that I find puzzling. Um, we need the petroleum. We need the, the fossil fuel energy. But uh, mankind did not leave the Stone Age because we ran out of stone. We didn't leave the Iron Age because we ran out of iron. And we won't leave the, the natural, you know, fossil fuel age because we run out of fossil fuel. There's a lot of fuel up there in the ground. And we just have to get the permits and get it out. And it's uh, there's petroleum up there. This is probably a pretty, this is a big deal. It's a big deal for local tribes. It's a big deal for the economy. Every bit hurt. It, it, every bit helps you know, when it comes to production and, yeah. and bringing the price down. But um, this kind of nonsense is stopping a lot of production. I mean, we could be today, as we were under President Trump, completely energy independent from the rest of the globe. It is the Biden administration that has made us lean on our enemies for petroleum. He has begged fuel from, from the Saudi Arabian princes and kings, king, I should say. He has uh, begged oil from Venezuela, 
a socialist nightmare, a collapsed economy, a friend of uh, China and Russia, and, and he continues to go to OPEC and ask for more production, when the truth is we could be energy independent and not beg from anybody. Yeah. We would be an exporter. We could help Europe now that Russia has messed up this, this whole um, thing with Ukraine. You know, they, they really, I think, stepped in, in uh, uh, the wrong place there. I think it's going to be a destructive thing for their country and Ukraine, obviously, but the whole world. I mean, it's going to, there's going to be food shortages because of it. Yeah. We're begging Russia for oil. We're begging Russia for oil, quietly trying to purchase it on the black market. That's what I've been told. So this is nuts. It's crazy. We should be not only doing this, uh, uh, what's going on in the uh, north slope of Alaska, but we should be drilling offshore as well. Uh, it's friendly to the environment. We know how to do it. We know there's oil out there. And like I said, we're not going to leave the, the fossil fuel age because we're not of fossil fuels. So let's go ahead and start producing this to bring down the, uh, the price of energy. It's the only way to bring people out of poverty is to allow them to have the energy they need to develop the technology and the infrastructure in their countries. And we're yeah. selfish for not doing it. Drill, baby, drill. I couldn't agree more, and I, I've never thought about it the way you described it. That's that's such a good perspective on this. You know, you don't you don't get out of an age like this uh, just because you run out. It's because you have some better technology. You come up with a better way to do it. When they finally do that and actually do it, uh, not 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 some fake news marketing of uh, of some green energy that actually costs more and is worse for the environment like they typically do. But when they actually do that, then we'll get off of our dependence on on fossil fuels. But right now, they're there for us to use. They should be used. They can be done in a safe and effective way. I mean, this is you're spot on, man. And I I appreciate that perspective. I'm gonna I'm gonna borrow that from you, and then I'm gonna steal it completely and not even give you credit. The more I use it, Congressman. <laughs> <laughs> Let me say one, one other thing about uh, the people who worship at the Church of Climate Change. Yeah. If they truly believed what they were saying, they would not buy one Chinese product. Mm, that's they right. Fly, they wouldn't fly on a jet airplane. They would be picketing. You know that China, uh, it's what amazes me, they produce twice as much greenhouse gases, well, twice as much carbon dioxide, but I believe greenhouse gases as well, uh, since carbon dioxide is mostly what, most of the greenhouse gases. They produce 23% of the world's greenhouse gases. We're half that. We have reduced our CO2 levels to 2005 levels. By 2020, we did that, and we're still on that path. We still have the policies in place to reduce our carbon footprint. We're the only nation in the world that has reduced our carbon footprint, the only. China, on the other hand, which is double uh, the greenhouse gases and CO2s that we make, is on track to double that again in 20 years. This uh, Paris Accord that was so well lauded by all the Greens, uh, by um, Bishop uh, Kelly, Kerry and, and um, those others from the church uh, that I've been referring to, they, uh, all of them are um, just thinking that, that, well, we've got to just focus on, on Europe and, and uh, the United States on this. But the real true violators of the carbon footprint are in China, and that's where the boycott should be. That's where all you know, we should be uh, saying that they should be po standing in front, instead of the White House, they should be standing in front of the Chinese embassy yeah. and protesting this. In many cases, this is interesting, this is, they build about five coal plants every week. In some cases, they're tearing one down, and then uh, it's like 100 megawatt, and they're replacing it with a 1,000 megawatt plant. They have plans to expand their carbon footprint. Uh, the Paris Accord, I guess what I want to finish my thought about the Paris Accord, and I'm sorry I got a little distracted there. 
No problem. The Paris Accord is only a promise made by the, those countries. The United States promised to cut their emissions. Uh, so did Europe. China's promised to increase their emissions. That was their contribution to the Paris Accord. We don't hear much about that. Yeah. But they promised to increase, and they're on track to, to peak out about 2040. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. This, this is it's lunacy uh, that what we should be doing is, is producing more oil, and, and do have common sense regulations. A good example, they say there's going to be nothing. We will not sell any gas-burning cars in California by 2030. Five, I think it was. Maybe it was 2030. Either way, if, if you really wanted to transition the economy from a petroleum-powered vehicle to an electric-powered vehicle, you would probably go to a hybrid, an inter, interim state, you know, like a hybrid vehicle, that would make kind of a, you know, a transition. And then you go to a full electric vehicle sometime in the future. But that's not what they do. They want to go, you can't have a, you can't have a gas, gas burning car. You've got to have an electric car. You just got to have it. Well, the carbon footprint to build an electric car is greater than the carbon footprint of building a gas car. And you've got to drive it for 100,000 miles before that carbon footprint changes. So in the end of the life of that vehicle, if your battery lasts that long, your carbon footprint is maybe 15 to 20% less than a, than a gas vehicle. It's just, you know, why, they don't make sense because it's, it's not about just the environment to them. It's their faith. It's their religion. It's what they live. Yeah, just like you're pointing out, it's, it's illogical because it is, it is a, almost like a cultish uh, way, you know, thinking where, uh, you know, the real science doesn't matter. Logic, reason doesn't matter. It's, it's what feels good, what, what's... what's uh, you know, what's going to be, uh, you know, rile people up. And, and part of the reason they don't go over to China and protest or go to the embassy and protest, that, that wouldn't be, uh, that wouldn't get them on the news, you know, uh, like this, like the things they're doing now. And they think they can, that they're in control and that they can, uh, through their knowledge, through, through eating the apple off the tree of knowledge yeah. of uh, climate change, they can save the planet. That's, that's their fundamental belief is that they can save the planet. What arrogance. Yep. How, yep. how, how arrogant is that when you think about it? <laughs> well, anyway. Well, they're li- they're literally, uh, you know, the, the the Romans. One thing they're worshiping the uh, creation rather than the creator, and they and they profess themselves to be wise. They become absolute fools with the uh, with the lack of logic and and, and science. Uh, and and like you use the word, I mean, it's common sense it is what's not being used here. And uh, unfortunately, you would think the public policy would follow the science and the logic and the. And the common sense, but too often it, it, it follows the political, um, you know, the political winds. But uh, you know that far better than <laughs> than I do with the years in Congress. But, man, really appreciate you coming on and, and appreciate the article. We'll, we'll do a link to the article uh, today as well. But uh, appreciate your time today, man. Thanks for coming on and joining us. Well, thank you. You know, there is hope out there. And, and to the faith in our Lord and Savior, uh, we're going to come through this okay. And uh, things may seem grim today. Uh, but there's always hope in what we've been promised to our Lord and Amen. Savior. So, uh, greetings to your listeners. Thanks for the time, Rick, and blessings to you. So good, so good. That's former Congressman Todd Tehart. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back with David and Tim Barton. Have you noticed the vacuum of leadership in America? We're looking around for leaders of principle to step up, and too often, no one is there. God is raising up a generation of young leaders with a passion for impacting the world around them. They're crying out for the mentorship and leadership training they need 
Patriot Academy was created to meet that need. Patriot Academy graduates now serve in state capitals around America, in the halls of Congress, in business, in the film industry, in the pulpit, in every area of the culture. They're leading effectively and impacting the world around them. Patriot Academy is now expanding across the nation, and now's your chance to experience this life-changing week that trains champions to change the world. Visit PatriotAcademy.com for dates and locations. Our core program is still for young leaders, 16 to 25 years old, but we also now have a citizen track for adults. So visit the website today to learn more. Help us fill the void of leadership in America. Join us in training champions to change the world at PatriotAcademy.com. We're back here on Wobblers. Thanks for staying with us. Back with David and Tim Barton. And, uh, guys, I mean, we, we know regulation's bad. We know the Biden administration doesn't want drilling. They're, they're, they're essentially sold out to the environmental wackos out there. But it sounds like Todd's saying, uh, you know, there's a pretty decent chance this might go through. Well, you know, it's significant. There's several important things he said. One is this is being stopped by the bureaucracy. This has gone through five presidents. It's not the presidents that are stopping it. This is, this is part of that swamp that we've talked about for the last four to five years. This is the bureaucracy stopping it, and they're not following even what, what the law says or what the presidents want. This is they've got their own agenda, and so that's a problem with it, within itself. So can we get it done? The fact that it's now getting a lot of sunshine on that bureaucracy will help move this thing forward. The other thing I think that Todd made that was a really great point was you've got, it doesn't matter how bipartisan this is, and this is a bipartisan project out of Alaska. This is really whether you worship at the Church of Climate Change. If you're into thinking that you worship the creation more than the creator, that's where common sense goes out. And Rick, you made a comment about this, this defies common sense. And going back to Dennis Prager and the Rational Bible, he talks about the origin of common sense is a fear of God. When you have a fear of God in Proverbs, that's what leads you to common sense. And if there's a lack of common sense, it's because there's a lack of a fear of God. And if you're worshiping at the altar of, of the creation rather than the creator, there's not going to be common sense associated with this. And that's what we're facing right now. But hopefully this will break through. Uh, it needs to. We need more free enterprise going. We need more energy going. There's a lot of good things about this. And as Todd points out, we're the only nation in the world that's reduced our carbon footprint, and yet we're the nation that's under attack the most. It makes no sense. Uh, so Todd's out there as a spokesman and voice on this, and that's really good. Good information for all of our listeners today. You can share this program by taking the link at wallbuilderslive.com and sharing it with your friends and family. Be a force multiplier out there. Lots of ways you can help us restore this constitutional republic. We sure appreciate you listening to Wallbuilders. Stand on me.